0: Our reading comes from the book of Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verses 17 through 32. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous Created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. This is the precious word of our Lord.
1: Well, good morning. Uh, We are continuing in our Christmas series. We are walking through uh, this, the beautiful hymn, O Holy Night. We're walking through several phrases of that song. And this morning, we are gonna walk through the phrase, uh, truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Many of you are probably uh, like me, and many of you may not be either, but some of you may be like me in that when I'm in a bad mood, people know I'm in a bad mood. It's literally on my sleeve, it's on my face, my mannerisms, everything about uh, my bad mood is on display for everyone. Not only is it on display for everyone, you can visually see it, I treat people like I'm in a bad mood. Just this past week, I had to apologize to three of our staff members for how I responded to something that happened because I was mean to them and I was kind of a jerk. I constantly, you can ask my wife because she's here, apologize to her. When I'm having a bad day, I get snappy. I say things I don't mean. I I act in such a way that I am not in a good place. Many of you are like that too. There is something that is happening within us that causes our outward expressions, that causes our actions to be not what we want them to be. But then we have this phrase, truly he taught us to love one another. What about my bad days? Am I exempt on bad days? No. You see, this phrase, love one another, from this uh, beautiful hymn does not go without its own biblical merit, even Jesus himself. In John chapter 13 says this, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus gives a clear statement to his disciples that the world will know who you are. The world will know who you serve by the way you treat each other. Not by whether or not you have a Jesus bumper sticker. Not by whether or not you're wearing a Jesus t-shirt. That is not it. It is very much how you treat other people. It is your outward expression of what God has done to you internally. The thrust of Ephesians chapter four, this section right here, the main idea is that what is internal always works its way out. What is internal always works its way out. This phrase, love one another, it seems that this is an impossible task in 2020. To love one another. Given our political climate, given our, uh, the coronavirus, our, our, our social everything, it seems like it is a very impossible time to love one another. I venture to say that there may be people in this room who will pass through these doors this morning, or maybe joining us on Facebook live that if I ask you to go to your Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, any social media platform, and take down any post that is bashing a politician, bashing someone who may vote differently from you, that some of you may not have anything left on your feed. Or, if I were to say, stand up if you vote Republican or stand up if you vote Democrat. How many people might write you off just by knowing that? This is uncomfortable. But it is something that we have to address. It must be addressed. What's fascinating about this conversation is the blame that is put on social media. It's Facebook's fault. It's CNN's fault. No, no. Social media has merely revealed what's already been there. What do you mean? The anger, the frustration, the confusion that you feel has been lying dormant already. And now that the coronavirus because it's the political season has disrupted that comfort that we have stuffed. Now it becomes pouring out. What is internal always works its way out. In Ephesians chapter four, we're going to see that Ephesians chapter four, verses uh, 17 through 32 is where we're going to be. I love this section because of the way that Paul outlines this section. It's not just about make sure you love each other. Do this, do that, do this, do that, and you're good to go. Paul outlines this section. The first section, he talks about a list of things that have everything to do with your relationship to God. He addresses that first. Then he moves into how Jesus has begun to restore that which was corrupt inside of you still focusing on your relationship with God. And then he ends this passage by talking about how you treat other people in light of that, how it flows out of you. So in order to deal with the angst, the frustration, the anger that we see on social media, we don't need to go to Facebook. We're going to go to God's word and we're going to deal with what's here. So, there are three truths that, that outline this passage. The first one is do not walk like the world. Do not walk like the world. Paul starts this by saying, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Due to their hardness of heart, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to every practice, to practice every kind of impurity. He gives this first command: He says, Do not walk like the Gentiles do. Now, this phrase, walk like the Gentiles, is not just saying, If you are not Jewish-born, just don't be like them because the Ephesian Christians who he's writing to are Gentiles. They were once a part of this world. No, this phrase is being used to say, you do not walk in a worldly pagan lifestyle that you once did. You do not live this way. You are different now. And he lists six things in this passage that, this is how the worldly pagan lifestyle is. First of all, they're they're futile in mind. Secondly, they are, darkened in their understanding thirdly they are alienated from the life of god next it says that they are ignorant then it says that they are hard of heart and lastly it says that they are callous to their own sin that's a lot and that's heavy all of which has to do with your relationship to God. Paul hasn't even got to the relationship with people yet. And instead of breaking all six of these down individually, I will outline them even further. One of the, uh, the commentaries of which I read help me see the progression of this passage. A Gentile progression looks like this. A worldly progression looks like this. It starts with futility, leads to foolishness, which leads to idolatry. Futility, which leads to foolishness, which leads to idolatry. Futility, which is the vanity. It's a meaningless, it's, it's a meaningless goals that they would chase after. And then you have foolishness. Foolishness is the inability to reason with the truth and specifically the truth about God. And then lastly, it is idolatry, the culmination of Gentile thinking that there is nothing else worth living for than this thing. At all costs, it must be this. It is a progression. It does not just fall at the end for idolatry. It progresses into this. Let me give you a hypothetical. There's a guy named Chris. Chris is married. He has two kids. Humble beginnings, they attend church. Chris works for, as a financial advisor for a small firm, and Chris is good at his job. He's very good at his job. In just a couple years, he starts seeing his paychecks begin to increase and increase and decrease. So he's able to buy his wife a new car within five or six years. Chris has come into more money than he's ever known before. And he likes it. He's able to buy his family this large, majestic house. He is able to keep providing financially for them. Chris has amazing work ethic, and he loves this new lifestyle. And because he's this way, he loves the the bigger paychecks. Then he spends more time at work than he does at home now. And his wife begs Chris, please stop. We don't need this. Chris continues to work, shrouds it behind, I need to pay the bills. And tells her, if you don't like it, you can leave. And she does. I could continue with this story, but most likely what is happening inside of you right now is you probably feel two things about Chris. Pity or anger. In this story, we see the futility, foolishness, and idolatry play itself out. The futility... The futility in mind thinking that money was going to bring him happiness. If I continue working, if I continue to get bigger paychecks, if I continue to be able to provide these nice, elegant things for my family, that it will bring me some sort of joy that will last forever, which leads to foolishness. At this point, he is now unable to see the truth. His wife even tells him, please stop. We don't need this. Then leads to Idolatry, it's worth giving everything else up for, even his family. This story may resonate with you because there may be some of you who have experienced this. Maybe not specifically about money, it could be sports, it could be politics. It is anything that we see that is a good thing that we make into a God thing. It starts with futility, it leads to foolishness, then it leads to idolatry. And let me say this that if you are in the room and this is you now, you are not alone. And there is hope. There is hope. There are three questions that you can begin to ask if you want to write these down. Maybe these are questions that you asked some point this week, maybe sometime today, to maybe help get at the heart of the matter. The first one is, what in my life am I trying to gain significance? What in my life am I trying to gain significance? Secondly, what in my life am I trying to gain security? What is it that I'm trying to gain security from? And lastly, when these things are found, am I ready to change? When these things are found, am I ready to change? This is not where Paul ends. Paul would not end it here. He never ends anything here. Paul always goes into what the good news is After this. So after, he says, do not walk in a worldly manner, he says, secondly, to put on Jesus. Put on Jesus. Starting in verse 20. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Paul completely switches his metaphors here. He was talking about walking in a certain way. Now, all of a sudden, he's talking about taking off and putting on. And in the Greek, what he's actually saying is literally what they would say to take off and put on actual clothes, to take off the old way of life and put on the new way of life. I remember years ago, uh, I went to Guatemala on a mission trip and we went uh, into Guatemala City and we uh, spent some time there and we uh, actually brought shoes and clothes for the kids who were there. And I remember going into this place and, and seeing... Uh, the, the kids. And, and I wish I could describe to you the joy on their faces when they saw that they were getting new things. To us, these would be hand-me-downs. But to them, it was the first time they'd had any of it. I remember kids who had, were teenagers who had never wore shoes before. I remember we we actually uh, set some up on the back of the truck and we would wash their feet before we put the shoes on and their feet were so scraped and bruised because they've only ever known to be barefoot. And when we would wash their feet, they would flinch in the pain. And we brought out the t-shirts that we were gonna give to them. They were wearing t-shirts that they had worn for years that they had clearly grown out of. There were holes, they were tattered. And we gave them these t-shirts. And what they would do is they would grab the t-shirts and they would run, they would run over in their group and they had such joy on their face. And they would take off the old shirt, the one that's torn and dirty and too small and they would put on this new shirt and the joy, the expression of joy that came off of them, it was as if they were being defined by their new clothes. You know what Paul says here? Take it off. Take off the old self. Do away with it. You have been transformed in Jesus Christ. You need to put him on. You need to put the new self on. You no longer have to walk the way that you used to walk. It was because of Jesus. It was because of Jesus who came and his flesh was torn from him so that he could wrap himself around you and bring you new life. You no longer have to walk in your old way. You no longer have to walk callous to your sin, futile in mind that leads to idolatry. You no longer have to walk this way because we have Jesus Christ who went to the cross for us. This is the gospel. This is why if you are in this place this morning where you know that you have idols that you have not given up on yet, you are not without hope because there is a savior. His name is Jesus Christ and we have been sharing him all weekend in this place. And just because it's 2020 and just because there's the coronavirus and just because it's political season does not mean that the, the, the gospel of Jesus will not go forth. And it has this week and it will continue to go. We take off the old self and we put on him. We take off the unique sweater that we hand knit ourselves that looks pretty because it's the way we like it. We take that thing off because it will never last. And we put on the sweater that Jesus made for us that's clothed in his righteousness and holiness that transforms us on the inside. That's the gospel of Jesus. Paul is speaking to believers and he is saying, you no longer have to walk this way. So how is it that we do this? He says it right here by being renewed by the spirit of your mind. The word renewed, we see it, it looks like it's past tense, like it's an achievement that, we, that we've made. Oh, well, I'm renewed now, I'm good to go. No. In the Greek, it is a passive verb, which means this is an ongoing thing we must be renewed day by day by day in the book of lamentations the prophet jeremiah says that every single morning god gives me new mercies so we glean on the truth well what is the truth there's a whole bunch of places i could tell you where the truth is not but in this passage let's look and see what it says verse 21 assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in who? Who, church? The truth is in Jesus. The truth is in Jesus. The truth that is in Jesus then is first of all the truth about salvation. The truth about salvation then it leads To the truth about God, man, creation, history, sin, righteousness, grace, faith, life, death, purpose, meaning, relationships, heaven, hell, judgment, eternity, and everything else of ultimate consequence. All of that, the truth is found in Jesus. All of it. You see, the world can't see the truth, but believers are clothed in the truth. because we know who is the truth. So, he says this is where you are in relation to God. This is what the worldly pagan way looks like. This is what Jesus has done to restore that, so that you are no longer this way. You no longer have to live in this. And then he says lastly, now walk in a worthy manner. Walk in a worthy manner. In verse 25 and following, therefore, and that's, he says, therefore, which when you see the word therefore in scripture, you want to know what it's therefore, right? So the fact that he says, therefore, means that what was said right before it is extremely crucial to what is about to be said. So he says, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with, with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. And then finally, be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So we started with your relationship to God. Then he led to how it was restored in Jesus. And now we see the fruit of that is walking in correct posture with others. The fruit of that, uh, for the fruit of what's happened to you internally is correct posture with others. What is internal always works its way out in walking, when you walk in a worldly posture, you will not fulfill these. But you might say, "Well, you know, I speak the truth. I, I, don't, I don't lie. I give. I, I do these things. I'm I'm kind to people." But you see, these are all a fruit of walking by the Spirit. And as we see, it says here, one of them is that we do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And when we sin, we grieve him. But you know what it says here? What I love about what it says here, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed. This word sealed is only used twice in all of scripture. Both of them are in Ephesians and both of them have to do with the Holy Spirit. And how the Holy Spirit seals you. You know the definition of this one particular Greek word? Protection from Satan. And when you are walking by the Spirit, when you are being renewed by the Spirit of your minds daily in the truth, then you are giving no opportunity for the devil. The Holy Spirit is sealed you to where he cannot take your joy. This is what it looks like. Speak truth for each other. No falsehood. Be angry, but do not sin. No opportunity for the devil. Honest labor to share with others. Speaking only to build, not to corrupt. Kind, Tenderhearted, forgiving, not grieving the Holy Spirit. Walking with the Spirit empowers you to do these things. Walking with the Spirit empowers you to treat others this way. It is the fruit of someone who walks in a worthy manner. It is like putting on the robes of Jesus when you put on the ropes of Jesus, then you will walk like Jesus. Paul compares different aspects here. He starts off with the aspect of corrupt versus pure, truth versus falsehood, and then he compares hard heart versus tender heart. And tenderhearted is where I want to focus in for the last part. Tenderhearted is fruit, but as we see in this passage, we see that this was the fruit that God showed us. If you look in verse 32, that's what it says. He was tenderhearted, forgiving you see, being tender-hearted is an internal thing. There is a, there's an English word that we use that would align with this. It's called empathy. Empathy is the ability to look at someone's situation not as an, as an objected bystander, but as someone who looks through their eyes, feels their pain, sees it through them you may still disagree. That's okay. But you feel what they feel. You begin to understand why it is that they may think that, that the way that they may act the way that they do. It makes you tenderhearted toward them. And the reason that I wanted to highlight this is that it was shown to us by God as verse 32 said because it was God who looked down on us saw the state that we were in verses 17 through 19 you know what he could have just done he could have just said let's wipe them out it's not worth it they'll never learn no what God did is he wrapped himself in human flesh, walked among us, felt what we feel, experienced what we on a daily experience. He saw us through our eyes not just from an objective bystander. Hebrews 4, 15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus came, he, he didn't shame us. He loved us, he led us, he taught us, he died for us. Truly, he taught us to love one another. Because he lived no other way. That's Jesus. I want to put him on. Because the old me, I don't like the old me. My wife don't like the old me. Like, right, can I get an amen? Like, you know. The old me is that daily I take it off. As, as Paul said in Romans, that I crucify the flesh daily, get away, I wanna be wrapped in Jesus. I wanna be wrapped in the Holy Spirit so that as I'm being renewed by the Spirit every day, the fruit of that is how I treat others. What if What if here in McDowell County or for wherever you are watching on Facebook Live, what if we started internally and allowed the Holy Spirit to work out of us and we treated others with the same love and tenderheartedness that Jesus shown us, not just to our family, but to those who we may disagree with to those on social media, what if we did that? How far and wide the gospel message would go. So I have a few points of application, just four final things of application for you to take. The first one is pray for God to reveal idols. Pray for God to reveal idols. It was in 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 Psalm 139, it's David who prays, "Search me, O God, and know me; find any grievous way in me." That, my friends, is a bold prayer to pray. But pray for God to reveal these. Secondly, listen to others. Listen to others. Oftentimes, it, when we come to this place, we have a close friend, maybe a spouse, maybe uh, someone who you go to church with who is saying, you need to stop. Listen, listen. Thirdly, be renewed every day in God's word. Let me tell you, it doesn't matter how many times you've read the Bible. You will find life-giving fruit in it every day. And lastly, allow your renewed self to work its way out to others. Let's pray. God, you are so good and again, just so thankful that we have the opportunity to come to worship you, to lift up your name that we get the opportunity to prepare for the coming of Jesus as we celebrate Christmas, the coming of whom Isaiah prophesied that nearly 400 years before he came, that he would be the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, that his name, Emmanuel, would mean God with us. I thank you that we have Jesus who is not aware of the pain and struggle that we feel every day, but has felt it and will help us carry it. Lord, I pray that as we go from here that you would renew us every single day. Help us grow in you and walk with you so that we can walk alongside others, that we can love them as you have loved us. It is in your name.